Good morning, everyone. Welcome to today's lesson. I hope that by now you have watched the short video recording which I made. I explained on that video the reasons why I preferred to use a podcast for this particular section instead of us having a Zoom lesson. You see, with Zoom, we are not able to cover all the essential areas of of the topic okay 14 minutes is just too little and not forgetting the network interruption as well as the fact that the meeting has to be a maximum of 40 minutes but the podcast allows me to explain these things to you uh, you know over uh, a long a longer period okay so today we are talking about how Lenin established a dictatorship in in Russia. And I want you to understand that Lenin took full advantage of the civil war as well as the civil unrest to usher in an era of dictatorship. Because all that lawlessness and anarchy had to be addressed in some kind of way. And he had to take the bull by its horns and ensure that Russia was being governed in a systematic way. Remember, there were so many states that were now totally detached from the central government. People were doing whatever they liked. They were rioting. They were looting. They were raiding and taking lands as they please. And the civil war had permitted all these things to take place. So Lenin was a very strong leader with a strong resolve. And he made up his mind that he was going to turn Russia into a communist dictatorship. Right, so some of the things that Lenin did started out during the civil war and progressed even after the Bolsheviks had won the civil war okay so this is why even when you are reading sometimes there's reference to things and laws that he passed during the civil war it is because he consolidated his position from the time of the civil war to consolidate is to strengthen to cement or to solidify right so he was strengthening his rule ensuring that um, the position of the Bolsheviks was steadfast, immovable, as it were, concrete. Okay, concrete. Right. And he had to take certain deliberate steps to ensure that this would happen. Right. I have put a very simple, simple diagram for you in the notes that I've attached, which make it so, so clear what exactly the pillars of the communist dictatorship were. Right, one of the first and most obvious pillars were the Reds. The Reds originally started out as the Bolshevik army. It was made up of volunteers, you know, some of them were not well trained. We saw that in the October Revolution, very little fighting actually took place. Uh, the Reds simply walked into the Winter Palace and found those aristocrats and, and bourgeoisie. Uh, uh, leaders 
just sitting in parliament and doing nothing, unable to defend themselves. So Russia had easily been taken from the provisional government. But now the civil war demanded more from the Reds. The civil war could not be won by a bunch of volunteers who were not trained. That is a war that had to be won by strategy first. Okay, right. So Leon Trotsky had been made the commissar for war and he had worked very hard to revolutionize the Red Army. He didn't want um, just ordinary soldiers, but he wanted the finest kind. So he started recruiting people who would be trained specifically for fighting and defending the Bolsheviks. He enlisted even those people who were well qualified, uh, who had worked and served under the Tsarist monarchy. He offered them jobs to say, if you come and you are loyal to the Bolsheviks, you will be paid handsomely you will be rewarded and some of these people joined and started training the reds teaching them to be mean and fighting machines trotsky did so much he created an administrative system within the military there were ranks there were reports that were being written uh there was a clear hierarchy. The army became so organized. Within a couple of months, Trotsky had transformed the Reds and the number of soldiers was amounting to more than 3 million. Okay, And he planted his military spies all over uh, the Red Army so that if ever there was any wind of betrayal or treason within the army, Trotsky and, and, and Lenin would hear of it immediately and all the perpetrators would be rounded up and dealt with uh, in the military way. The military rules became so strict for the Reds because no one was allowed to leave once they had joined. Desertion was punishable by death. So when these Reds were given commands by Lenin, they actually went out there and executed what they had been told. So you'll find that the Reds were used by Lenin to instill fear in the people of Russia. People were not allowed to speak out. If a person opposed the government, then the Reds would be sent out after them. The Reds were used to confiscate land and to confiscate factories and industries. By force, soldiers would just show up and, and, and close the factory and say, from now onwards, this factory belongs to the government. That is how the Reds operated. So I find that Lenin also used the Reds to, you know, do the dirty work, as it were, to clean up Russia. For example, uh, Lenin saw the need to get rid of the Romanovs. The Romanovs had been captured during the October Revolution. You see, the provisional government, although uh, was taking a, a democratic stance, had never openly acknowledged what was to be done with the Romanovs. It, it was clear that some kind of 
uh, trial must take place, but the provisional government was very moderate. They didn't want to see an extremist um, resolution in that regard. So during the October Revolution, uh, the Reds had actually captured the Romanovs and they had been under house arrest since then. And this was now the Civil War and the Romanovs were being secretly kept in uh, a basement somewhere in Russia. Lenin made sure that their location was never known and they were secretly moved around Russia to prevent their enemies from, um, to prevent the sympathizers of the Romanovs from rescuing them as it were. Right, and, and at first it appeared as if uh, the Romanovs might be spared because they, they really were not a threat anymore. Tsar Nicholas had given up on politics. He had attempted to uh, get a political asylum from Britain and Germany so that he could spend the rest of his days with his family in exile abroad, but he had been denied by both Germany and, and Britain. The reason was that uh, they feared uh, to, to start a problem with, with Russia by housing the deposed king. Obviously, that would be an area of conflict. So both Germany and Britain were not willing to risk it. So the Red Army descended on the Romanovs. And uh, from Lenin's instruction, they were shot by a firing squad. And this secret was never revealed to the general public until much later on. Lenin felt that the elimination of the Romanovs was a positive step in cementing his power because in that way, they could never come back. The civil war was proving that uh, Tsar Nicholas was, was a force to contend with. He wasn't just an old forgotten monarch. There were people who still supported him. And if he just showed his face, it was possible that he could inspire loyalty once again. So he had to go. This was Lenin's perspective. He, he just had to go. No compromise. Lenin also used the Reds to subdue the Orthodox Church. You remember the Orthodox Church and the benefits that they had been enjoying by enforcing the Orthodox Church as the state religion. They were enjoying uh, the monarchical system. They were given lands. They were collecting taxes. And they had been benefiting from the capitalist system in an attempt to consolidate his position Lenin knew that he had to break up the power of the church and he didn't spare them. The Reds were sent out there and the priests were shot. Their treasuries were raided. The money was taken and given to the government. Their lands were confiscated and people were told from now on the lands belong to the government and not the church. Right, so these are the kinds of things that the Reds were doing. They were given unconstitutional powers to commit atrocities. People were so afraid of the Reds. At times, the Reds would forcefully uh, conscript members into, into the army. People were being forced to join, not that they completely supported the government. 
if they didn't want to join, then they were killed. If a person for some reason had a questionable reputation, maybe they'd committed a crime in the past or they were not in good health, it didn't matter. They could be recruited to work on other ranks within the army. They could dig trenches, they could mend boots, they could sew uniforms. Everyone had a part to play. This is the kind of philosophy which Trotsky created. He was highly, highly resourceful. Everyone had to support the Reds. Remember, the civil war was uh, causing a lot of strain in Russia. The Reds did not have control of the entire uh, Russian state. Russia was huge. The Reds had about 30 out of 50 provinces by the end of of the civil war, whilst the other 20 provinces were uh, loosely controlled by the white armies. And Lenin wanted to prove a point that within these 30 provinces that we do have, we are going to create such a centralized administration that even the whites will not be able to penetrate. These provinces will be connected politically and economically. I will know what is happening in each and every one of these provinces and it will be uniform. Whatever is happening in Petrograd is also happening in Moscow. It will be organized and it would be uniform. So obviously the Reds were very important in propping up the communist regime. Okay, right. The other pillar of Lenin's dictatorship was the use of the Cheka. It's very interesting how uh, when Lenin would be questioned about the activities of the Cheka, he would deny, he would say, it's not true that the Cheka has been cutting up people and torturing them and kidnapping them. We are uh, a constitutional uh, government. We use the law. We don't do things outside the law. So I don't know what you are talking about or where you are getting these falsehoods about the checker, but I can promise you that they operate within the law. He was lying. He was lying through his teeth because the checker was a secret police force that operated outside the police force. Do you see that? They were an extension of the secret service. Okay. Right. And many times if state secrets about torture and the killing of opposition would leak at times, the checker would go undercover and would resurface, uh, with another name, but essentially the members of the checker remained in control of that secret police. And they were given, uh, powers above the constitution to do whatever they wanted, uh, in order to force citizens into submission. And because these were not real police officers and they were not real soldiers, it was really difficult to track them down and say, who did this to me? You wouldn't know because this was a secret service. They would go after opposition. They would investigate rich people who still owned farms and factories and industries and ensure that these properties were taken away from these citizens. After all, Lenin had argued that this was a class war, a class conflict, and he wanted to show that now the true revolution is taking place. 
the means of production is being transferred from the capitalists to the government. Okay, right. So the Cheka was very, very useful. They would uh, even have powers uh, to investigate and convict people. Can you imagine? They weren't even a judiciary, but they had the powers to convict people to arrest. They could commit arbitrary arrest, arrest without trial. And the manner in which the trials were done was very, very ridiculous. They used very unreliable sources of evidence because the main idea was to convict people who didn't support the government. So sometimes third or fourth party um, accounts were used as evidence to convict people. This means someone who told someone who told someone who told someone, you know, rumors and, and people were convicted. Lenin closed all the judiciary and administrative structures by which people could make a, an appeal. Okay. If you were wronged by the government, if your land was taken away or your property was taken away, there were no channels by which you could complain. It was just a done deal. And if you went around telling people what the government had done, then the government sent the checker after you. So all this forced people into submission. People were uh, oppressed from every side and they just couldn't talk about it. Okay. They just couldn't talk about it. The checker controlled so many things. They controlled the press, controlled propaganda. So even the way it would come out in public was not the original version. The numbers of people being killed during the civil war was downplayed by the checker and people never got to know uh, the gruesomeness of the killings that were committed by, by the checker. Right. So using the checker and the reds, Lenin decided to introduce an economic plan, which we call war communism. And this was meant to address the immediate uh, economic problems, which were very pressing. The last thing that Russia needed was a civil war. I mean, Russia was, was it really in trouble? production was at less than 40 percent this was worse than what russia had gone through during the time of tsar nicholas during world war one when tsar nicholas was at his worst okay he was still better off than what the bolsheviks were doing to the economy right so many roads were cut off during the civil war many factories were destroyed no one was producing and um many people were exposed to hunger. It was really a, a pressing crisis. Something had to be done. So Lenin came up with what is called war communism. And this just involves nationalizing uh, all, all enterprises in Russia, taking over and uh, forming a central leadership that controls the industries, the factories, the land, agriculture, everything must be controlled by the government. And this war communism also involved forcing the peasants to then grow the food for the people now that the land had been given to them. But the problem with war communism is that it just simply transferred the means of production from the capitalists 
to the government, but did nothing to increase production. Okay, the government was broke. Lenin and his Bolsheviks were broke. They had no money to invest in the economy. So when they just demanded that uh, industries produce, it, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. There were no raw materials. There was no money. There wasn't even any labor. People were running away from the city centers, running away from the civil war and going to hide in the countryside. So the laborers were not even there to work in the industries. Production was at a halt. Basic things like electricity, uh, mining coal, those things became so very difficult. And yet um, Russia had been one of the leading producers of all these things during the time of Tsar Nicholas. You remember that at some point, Russia was one of the highest producers of these raw materials uh, in the world, even though we said the production versus the population still was low, but they were number one in the world at some point. And now the country, the economy was at less than 40% capacity. Right. So it, it, war communism just was not working. They were just instructing and forcing and using the reds and the checker to threaten people to say, why are you not producing? But they were not injecting anything into the economy. War communism also affected the peasants because the government was forcing them to grow food, but without supporting them, okay, without supporting them. That's where you see that Lenin was now a fully-fledged dictator. The peasants were not even allowed to say what their grievances were. And the government didn't want to appear as if it was failing. So the hunger and the starvation was blamed on the peasants. They were called, uh, you know, they were, they were, it was said that they were trying to subvert, uh, subvert the government, that they were fighting against the government, that they were sabotaging the government by deliberately hoarding and hiding the grain and denying people food. But this, this was not a political problem. This was an economic one. You see, the peasants were growing their food very, very expensively, and the government was not giving them seeds or fertilizers or uh, financial loans or anything. So peasants would then sell their grain to the government, and the government was trying to force them to sell their grain at very low prices. So what would happen is that the, the, the peasants would refuse to sell the grain at unprofitable prices. So the government hit back hard. The checker was ruthless. It went to the countryside. Uh, their granaries were raided. There were public arrests, flogging, and you know, farms being taken away by the government because you're not producing anything, we're taking these farms away from you. Public hangings as well to show all the peasants that if you don't provide food, then this is what will happened to you and it just made the hunger situation worse because peasants just stopped producing for the country they just produced enough for themselves and their families and that was the end of it so russia was really really in trouble about 10 million people died during the civil war of those 10 million 
5 million died because of starvation. And by 1920, Lenin was forced to admit that maybe war communism was not working. You know, maybe the whole system is wrong somehow, but he was not willing to give it up. So he decided to swallow his pride a little bit and look for foreign help. And an American agency um, agreed to help Russia and it, it stepped in and started providing food relief to the Russians, right? And they were working and donating food and making sure that people were not starving, children, women, you know, subsidizing the economy so much. But after a short while, after about two years or three years, uh, Lenin felt that um, these agencies were being used by the American government to spy on the communist government and he didn't trust them and he also didn't like the idea of foreign help remember uh, he had a strict philosophy that uh, this communist agenda would not tolerate foreigners or foreign help so he really felt like he was going back on his word so he dismissed this american agency and chased them away from russia after they had been feeding the Russian population for more than two years. Can you imagine? They had invested more than 60 million worth of donations of, of food. Right, so these were the pillars of uh, Lenin's dictatorship, a centralized administration, you know, uh, a bureaucracy where everyone was... Uh, closely monitored he called it he called it a politburo uh, but it was it was a, a central committee of of people who would move around and ensure that the raids were controlled the checker was enforcing war communism was happening you know people were subduing the peasants are producing everyone was put in line uh, using that centralized system okay Right, but not everyone supported it. Not everyone was happy. Even amongst the Bolsheviks, people started to question Lenin. People started to say, this is not the kind of communism that we wanted. We wanted people to have uh, the means of production, but we never wanted people to be terrorized by the government. And after all, the government has done nothing to fix the economy. Things are worse off than even the time of um, Tsar Nicholas. So there started being uh, grumblings against Lenin and the Bolsheviks and, and the whole idea of war communism and the whole idea of a central leadership. They said, this is not central leadership. This is repression. This is not war communism. This is the government being greedy and selfish, you know, and a bunch of workers uh, who had been strong Bolshevik supporters organized a workers' association, a union against the government. Okay, in 1921, these workers were in Petrograd and they started staging protests against against the government at a place called Kronstadt. Right, and you know uh, the the Cheka was deployed to go and have a look what's happening. The checker was under a very ruthless man, uh, Felix Jizhensky. Okay, Jizhensky, 
and he went around spying to see well what is going on and he was able to bring back a report that these guys have formed a union against the government they are now opposing communism they have actually come up with a petition with 15 grievances of of workers okay the same grievances that had existed from the time of Tsar Nicholas that's the irony of it and these people are saying they will not disperse until the government listens to them being the dictator that Lenin was he just couldn't stand for this because he had just uh, newly acquired his uh, position as a dictator and uh, these uprisings and protests were threatening to destabilize that political order which he had created. So he wasn't going to be lenient towards them. A petition was sent to the workers to say you need to uh, disperse, more like an, uh, an ultimatum rather, that's a better word. An ultimatum was sent to them. You people need to stand down or the government will do something. When the protesters refused to disperse, Lenin acted ruthlessly as usual. He sent in an army of 60,000 reds to go and crush the uprising. And they were ruthless. They were merciless. And they slaughtered the workers, okay? Because this had to be an example to everybody that if you start protesting against the government, destabilizing the government, uh, condemning government programs which are meant to save the economy, then this is what will happen to you. But on his own, Lenin was able to reflect on, on the grievances of workers. He realized that, you know, if his own Bolshevik supporters were turning on him, then there was a genuine uh, and pressing need to address the economy. So he decided that he was going to introduce an economic plan to save Russia from the problems that it was in. Right, so in our next lesson, we'll look at his policies for economic recovery in the midst of a dictatorship, and we'll be able to weigh if those policies actually worked. Right. At the end of the day, you know, this is about us learning what style of leadership works. We have seen democracy failing and we are also seeing uh, the dictatorship style having problems. But I want you to understand how difficult it was for Lenin to establish uh, an organized form of rule in Russia a Russia that was uh, war-torn, a Russia that was divided by civil war, a Russia that was surrounded by foreign states that had been trying to gain their independence, a Russia that had an economy that had been destroyed over so many decades. What alternative did Lenin have besides being ruthless in, 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 in assuming power okay to end all these disputes and to end all this lawlessness so even when you're giving your judgment don't be quick to say it was wrong it was wrong look carefully at the kind of problems that russia was having and consider if perhaps that was not the best option at the time but of course i i, I would like to say you know it, it's very 
disheartening uh, to hear of the things that were committed in the name of social order in the name of political order human beings were sacrificed and slaughtered by the reds and 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 that in the end the very thing that people had been fighting for when they removed the romanovs just a concept or a semblance of democracy was totally totally lost uh, when lenin came into power okay right so you can have a look at the notes they summarize everything that i've been saying i've also attached two question papers so that you would have a look and see what kinds of questions are asked this section is so important these are the sections that you will be tested on so try to listen to the podcast as many times as you can go over the notes and then we will meet next week enjoy your long holiday and it's bye-bye from me